0: Well, first of all, if you're a senior account, you're listening to to this in your cubicle, or you're running on the treadmill, or you're doing the dishes at home, um, I would say tomorrow morning or this morning when you're listening to this, like walk into your office and try to get yourself fired.
1: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LivePlan. Did you know that millions of small businesses use LivePlan products to start their business? Did you know that these small businesses prefer a cloud-based accounting solution two times more versus a desktop solution? Did you know that 89% of these small business owners prefer virtual advisory services? Did you know that the number one thing they want from an expert advisor is strategic planning and review? This is even more than general ledger accounting and bookkeeping services. Did you know that LivePlan has an expert advisory directory that you can join to gain access to these millions of small businesses? To learn more about becoming a LivePlan expert advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo liveplan. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-P-L-A-N.
2: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver.
0: I'm Sean Canungo. I You know, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. And we've fundamentally removed David from the podcast. He's, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's not on the podcast anymore. Now I am the Canoe co-host, and oh. I think it's going to be the Blake and Sean show. David, we miss you. We love you. But, you know, I'm sorry. And I just want to say I'm a big fan of this podcast, a big fan of the podcast. And before we start, I just... I just want to say to the audience, all the listeners there, if you haven't put a rating and review into iTunes or or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you can get this, do it now. It helps a lot for the show because we got to get this thing up to like 10 million subscribers. And we, we need to because what these guys are doing is so fundamental to this cloud accounting space. They're the only ones that are actually highlighting it. And
2: you guys are, you guys are doing so much for the, for, the, for the economy, for the space. Oh appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Uh, we're here at ZeroCon in San Diego. And you just gave a fantastic keynote. Oh, wow. Thank you. I mean, what, 800, maybe 1,000 people in that audience there. It was called, strategy in a world of disruption. Be bold, be brave, be experimental. Why build a culture of experimentation? And I loved, you had this one slide in your presentation. I mean, there was a lot to talk about. But this one slide just is sticking in my mind. Linear accountant yeah. versus exponential accountant. yeah. What, what does that mean?
0: Linear really means, uh, how do we think 5 to 10% better within our organization? This idea of linear thinking has been literally ingrained in our organization, in our leadership, in our systems, in our family, in society, that we need to think about things in a linear way. Um, exponential is actually about thinking differently about business, about processes. It's actually taking a different lens and it, what what we've seen a hundred times out of a hundred, if you can take an exponential lens, meaning take a different approach uh, to things, you can actually get a five to 10 X improvement. And I think especially for accounting, like you know this better than anybody, like this idea of linear thinking, yeah. of risk uh, of of, risk, averse. Risk, of risk, averse risk aversion, is literally yeah. ingrained in our DNA. And the reason why I wanted to showcase the difference between a linear accounted versus an exponential accounted, is it th- there are some tenants to it, and I can get yeah. into what those tenants are, but I think this is what we need to move, especially now we live in a world with all these exponential technologies, like we need an exponential mindset.
2: That is such a different mindset than, like you said, what we are taught to think in the accounting world where it's all about incremental improvement, right? Let's become 3% more efficient, 5% more efficient. But, and, and maybe this is the, the challenge I ran into in public accounting was uh, you know, trying to get people on board with disruptive change you know, is really, really hard. And you had a great tip for doing that. Like you ask people to do a small project. Exactly. Right. And what was the, the example? It was like a Fiverr? Yeah, so, so,
0: um, so a little bit of background. I spent 12 years at Deloitte yeah. um, leading their digital and innovation group in Western Canada. And one of the things that we did was I really wanted people to embrace this whole idea of the open talent economy, the gig economy, because it just makes sense uh, for us not to do everything. There's an entire ecosystem of people that will do things for us, like talent is ubiquitous. So what I wanted to do is say, listen, guys, I'm going to give everybody Five bucks. Five bucks out of my own pocket, I'm going to give everybody five bucks um, across Western Canada, and what I want you to do with this five bucks is go on Fiverr and just get something done. Just w- what it's a product, a service, a voiceover, whatever it might be, just get it done. And then send me back the product, and and then we'll talk about it. And the difference between like talking about all this change and talking about innovation is that when you actually go off and mm-hmm. do something yeah. and actually get somebody else to maybe even do something, I mean, this is a small example using like a gig economy, you're actually you're actually doing something. And you're like, wait a minute. Somebody else is getting something done for us at a radically cheaper cost. I didn't have to do this. Right. Like it literally flips your brain to say, okay, there's an ecosystem of people that will do stuff for us. What so to- else
2: can we do? Exactly.
0: So right. that is the whole idea of experimentation, which I, you know, try to sort of hammer in. It's like starting with small teams, small problems, small, small sprints, and seeing how we can move the needle. It's that is you know, and, and I think this idea of experimentation is so foreign to accountants. Like we, it, we don't experiment.
2: And you're a CPA. Yeah. And you, so tell me about your background. Yes. Right? How did you get into talking, speaking about disruption? I started my career at a company called Singapore Press Holdings.
0: I then actually moved into accounting. Uh, I worked for Deloitte for the mm-hmm. co- f- first couple of years, got my CA, moved into management consulting. On the side, my friends and I, we were building apps, consumer-based apps. You know, some were complete flops, some were like mediocre successes at the same time I was getting into the strategy and innovation group at Deloitte. We were like first we were early in the game of working within with organizations when it comes to innovation. Like we were the first to try things around artificial intelligence using the gig economy, using drones, like we were the first to do all that stuff. And so clients wanted to hear about the work that we were doing in digital transformation and innovation. After that, uh, after 12 years at Deloitte, the, one of the things that I really want to do is really take equity in organizations. We're, you know, working for a public firm, you can't take equity in anything. For me, equity was a big deal like taking it in companies and scaling them up. So, you know, we started a group called Queen & Rook where we're, it's like a consulting model, but instead of getting paid for fees, we actually get paid in equity. So started that in in, in one of our companies as a voice technology company. We're using artificial intelligence to to solve uh, pretty neat problems. And uh, the speaking thing, you know, came naturally because people want to hear about digital transformation, innovation. And here I was talking about it. You know, you get onto one conference, one another conference and just like the momentum builds. And then, you know, now I'm here talking to you and being on the cloud accounting podcast and you know, my <laughs> life, like it's, it's done. Like I, you know, this is it. This is the peak right now.
2: Right, right now, Th- this yeah, podcast, this, is, this podcast this podcast is, this is, is the top. peak.
0: So that's my journey. Ah. And so I've been obsessed about this idea of digital and innovation and disruption. And for me to bring like this message, especially here at zero con yeah. to this audience, like to the accounting profession yeah. means a lot because if you look
2: everywhere a lot of people saying that you know account, automation is going to take Accounts jobs, right? I, I like that you talked about that, yeah, right. Because at a lot of accounting technology conferences, or tech, maybe they talk about it more in, at tech general tech conferences. But you showed a slide. You know, uh, what was it? Accountants are ninety four percent ninety four percent chance of being automated, Right. Yeah. And you, so you're not afraid to put that out there that this is a risk. Totally, this is we need to be aware of this risk.
0: And you know your audience knows this as well. You, you're highlighting you know all the movers and shakers that are getting into the space. Like you highlight all the companies. That are uh AI uh, uh you know accounting uh, uh practices or they're in- incorporating AI. You know, I was listening to a, a really great episode with Rachel mm-hmm. um Rachel uh, Fish, Fish and um you guys were talking about this idea of service, right? And how service is still so important like yes there's a lot of this AI automation piece right. but at the end of the day there's a big piece to everybody's firms where it's around customer service and there's there's certain pieces that will never be automated so although everybody's saying that automation's going to take uh, accountant's job let's be real it's not and and what I wanted to t- tell people is listen this is the greatest time to be an accountant ever and actually it is this, it's going to be the sexiest job ever because <laughs> yes
2: accounting, make accounting sexy
0: yeah because yeah. think about it like if you have all these ecosystems and technologies doing some of the work that we used to do, and to be honest with you, you know, listen, I'm a CPA, there's a lot of work that you know, shouldn't, be done, shouldn't be done by humans. Yeah. And so if we can double down on things like storytelling and actual customer experience. Talking
2: and, to our clients. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is what an accountant should be. Well, but that's not what it, and I, I wonder if this is unique in some ways to the United States market. I mean, cloud accounting has penetrated maybe 10%. Here in the United States, that's just my rough feeling. Having yeah. been doing it for like five, ten years, whereas in Australia, and New Zealand, it's like fifty percent. So we're way behind, and it's 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 going slow. Why do you think that is? I know U.S. regulations, right? I, I studied to be a CPA here in the U.S., yep. and compliance is a big headache here compared to Australia, right? Compared to Canada, compared to the U.K. So we are, we can make a lot of money on compliance, and it's 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 like. I think you you mentioned something like this in your keynote is we get comfortable, right? right? We get, we're nostalgic. Yeah. You mentioned nostalgia and firms here, you know, how do you, how do you disrupt a firm where the partners are pulling in 20% profit margins off of tax compliance, right? And there are firms in LA that are still doing, you know, bookkeeping for $85 an hour keying in transactions and people totally. are paying for it totally um well yeah. that, maybe
0: that will come to an end yeah i mean i, I think the organizations that are saying listen we're not going to move to this this new way of doing things we're getting fat rich and lazy um doing it this way right but the reckoning will come you know i, I started my thing talking about winter is coming right like it it, 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 it is going to happen it the you know um People are going to start realizing that these organizations that have not moved to the cloud, wait a minute, my apps are not integrated. I can't, I can't use the, the, the ecosystems that um, you know, these other guys are using. So we're moving to a world where if you're not on cloud, right. that means you're not actually on the foundation of, of using some of these innovative apps and services. Listen, all the startups and like uh, tech companies that are actually in this space they're all designing for cloud. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not part of that, then you, you're going to be left in the dust. And right now it's working fine because of regulation and, and all that kind of stuff. But we've seen this throughout history that, you know, the organizations that stay, you know, nostalgic, they're going to, they're going to end up losing. Well, so,
2: and it could be a very quick shift that happens. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, I see everything's going, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then, like you said, winter is here. Exactly. <laughs> right? it, totally. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see like when that happens, like, I don't know if, if, if you're aware of these stats, like Hinge Marketing yeah. does some great surveys of professional services firms. And they uh, released a study, I think it may have been last year, showing that in accounting, 25, it's about 25% of all the firms are eating all the growth. Yeah. Right? Does that feel right to you? And, you know, because when, when, when you go out and speak and you talk, I mean, you must meet, you meet people from cloud firms. Sure. You meet people from traditional firms. What do you think is going to happen to those traditional firms? Are they just going to disappear? And by traditional firms, you're talking about like the big guys. Yeah. Well, it, it, so there are top 100 firms yep. that are still doing things the same way they used to do yep. things. There's there's ones that are innovative, of course, but then there's also just like the small CPA shops, yep. right? And I, I feel like at some point these people are going to want to retire. Totally. Right. And what are they going to do? You know, it's just close close the doors and Listen, That's it. You know, I'm not a futurist, <laughs> and. But you talk a lot about the future. I do talk about the future.
0: Yeah. Don't take anything I say as a prediction about the future. I I, I really do see myself as a practitioner and a tactician. Uh, you know, this is this has been my you know work. I, I really think that there's going to be some firms that of certainly, certainly win you know win market share because they always position themselves as as leading edge that they're getting into, you know, new spaces whether it's artificial intelligence or blockchain. It's going to constantly shift. I don't know who's going to win the game, but what I do know is that, you know, some of the savvy firms, some of the top accounting firms, I mean, we could even mention the top 4 accounting firms, the Deloitte's, AP, KPMG's, PwC's, etc. you know, because I worked at Deloitte for 12 years, you know, I have a lot of love for Deloitte and One of the things that I really love about Deloitte is they have this thing called innovation clout, which this is what I call it. They have been around for like 150, 180 years. The reason why they've been around, they always try to position themselves as relevant. You know, that's why, you know, in Canada, we started a new AI shop called Omnia and To be honest with you, not that many organizations across the country are adopting AI at scale. Like, it's just not happening. But they always position themselves. In this new forward-thinking next-generation mm-hmm. organization, because mm-hmm. they're always chasing relevance, and I think that's important. And I think the organizations that will continue to chase relevance, be on the leading edge, the market will see. Like uh, uh, mar- the market will see that customers will see that because customers always, always, always want to be with guys that were leading edge. They want to. They want to be with like. The cool modern companies, and I think I don't know where it's going to go. Who's going to win the game? But I do know that the organizations that will win will be the ones that will always be relevant. They'll they will be a, do, doing an amazing job at zero. And here, listen, we're at zero. I know you're you're you know po- this podcast is you know technology agnostic, and I know like David is a intu- into it. Like you know he's he was like an Intuit guy, right? Yeah, he yeah. was like their main guy, right? What zero has done really really well is you know what they've done. They've turned accounting into like a concert. They've turned accounting into like rock star status and like they've done an amazing job at chasing relevance. It's been remarkable.
2: Beautiful business software, I think is the motto exactly. for Zero these days. Beautiful business software. You can you can feel it when you walk into the con- convention center. And totally. you walk into the expo hall, it doesn't feel like any other accounting conference. Well, you've been right? to how many? You've been to six Zero Cons now? Six Zero Cons since the original in San Francisco. Yeah, a with, great sponsor of this podcast, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Zero. Uh, <laughs> you can tell, like, when a company is design led, right? Yeah. Like, and that, that's the way it feels to me, and just very thoughtful. Everything is very thoughtful with Zero, with the product, um, with, the, with the events, yeah. uh, and the mission. By the way, do we have to throw in a, a Zero? Uh, uh, um,
0: uh, like a, like the, the the drop like the mid roll because this this is pretty much the mid roll right now right <laughs> like this is we, yeah, no, we, I,
2: we probably don't have to do a, a,
0: a promo <laughs> message for this for this episode no but so so I want to I want to get your perspective on this because. You know, you know this space way more than yeah. I do in terms of the cloud, um, you know, accounting space. Um, do you think that it will be a winner-take-all market? Like we, we've seen. You know, you look at other uh, mm-hmm. spaces, whether it's in CRM or whether it's in HR. You know, there's companies that always come up that basically win the game. Um, do you think? that there will be a winner take all? You were talking about QBO, yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about Zero, Sage, whatever that means. Like, What is your hot take on this? Uh,
2: David likes to talk about this on the podcast, yeah. where if you look at Intuit in the heyday of desktop accounting software, when it owned 80, 90% of the US market, and it was all desktop, uh, the total addressable market for cloud accounting is like 10 times greater than that, right? There were only something like a few million businesses in the United States using QuickBooks desktop. There's like 30 or 40 million that could be using sure. accounting software. Uh, and it, it's, it's amazing, actually, so many businesses, here we are on the cutting edge of disruption, talking about cloud, there are so many businesses that are still using Excel yeah to do their uh accounting. actually
0: every single business is u- still using excel <laughs> in some sort of way
2: right but as their like primary yeah. you know system of record keeping uh, and so that is really what you know i see zero and any other software developer com- competing against is is that status quo yeah um and and that i mean my hope and and this is why you know we try to keep the podcast agnostic exactly. and, you know independent is is that the more voices there are, the more options there are, the better it is for the end customer, for the accountants, for the people working for these companies, right? When they're competing. Yeah. We want a competitive marketplace. Totally. And there's so much like Greenfield available. I think it was, uh, Steve Vamos was on stage earlier saying that, Zero has penetrated three percent of the total addressable market in the United States. That's crazy, right? Uh, and it's not like they're—it's not like Zero and QBO are competing uh, for the same customers. They're actually competing for people switching off of desktop software, right? So, so do you think that there'll be a winner? i, I hope that there are, are many winners. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Now we're going to get nerdy here. Kay. Intuit and Zero are very different companies. Yep, with very different strategies and. You know I'd love to hear your perspective on this there you know zero has been in the United States market for ten years now probably but they've they've had they've struggled to gain a toehold um, now the growth is amazing right there's some you know over a hundred thousand businesses in the US using zero but compare that to you know two three million on a QuickBooks online type product
1: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TOA Global. As you know, most firms struggle with attracting, managing, and retaining staff. And finding staff is getting tougher every day. This is where TOA Global can help. TOA Global is the most professional outsourcing partner to help you build and manage a global accounting team. By building a global accounting team, you'll be able to take away the time-consuming process-oriented work from your local team while building a cost-effective team offshore. As people experts, TOA Global can help you select and develop your best team members easily using their expert ecosystem of people security technology and professional development tools. Learn how to build out your world class team today. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast promo slash TOA Global. That is cloudaccountingpodcast promo forward slash T O A G L O B A L.
2: How does Zero gain market share? How do they? How do they? Um, because everyone knows what QuickBooks is. Totally right, and that's the that's, that's the barrier. Intuit, yeah, they're not a laggard; they
0: are innovative. Obviously, they they have a bigger machine than zero. Brad Smith, is the ex CEO of Intuit, made a critical decision. I think when he came, first came on, QuickBooks, a lot of the products were just like shrink wrap products that you could just get off the shelf, and like he had a pivotal point that. Change the direction of into it, and the the reason why they're now doing they're, they're continuously doing well in the states is that they changed their product into a platform, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just like how Zero is, yeah. you know, working with other developers, they actually opened up their platform so other competitors, third parties, competitors could could come onto their product. I mean, that's a very that's a fundamental shift around how you think about your, um, organization, uh, bringing competitors into the mix. And so they're not an yeah. organization that has gotten nostalgic. In fact, they have disrupted themselves. Yep. And so if you look at some of the best organizations in the world, and today, you know, I bring, I brought up, you know, the story of Netflix, Netflix and how they disrupted themselves. Intuit's not afraid of doing that. And so yeah, obviously you're seeing zero come up. You know, they're the upstart. They're the global upstarts coming in, trying to take a space out of this company. But I don't see Intuit as like, they're the incumbent, but I don't see them as a laggard. I, I also see them as innovative. So I think that the race is not necessarily going to be about product. But I think it's about it's going to be about ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be about who can you add to your ecosystem faster than others. So whether it's Shopify's and of course all these guys are going to work with probably both companies. Yeah. But it's like who can integrate and make the, the the ecosystem more seamless. So that if I'm a small business, I say, well, I'm on Squarespace and I have Shopify and I have you know I have Workday as HR. You know who can actually integrate those pieces better? I think that's the game because the software is the software. I mean. It should be seamless. It should be user-friendly. They're both getting to that point. Mm-hmm. But that's where I
2: think the game is going to be won. Well, and we saw that with the uh, Stripe announcement this morning. Totally. Right? So deep Stripe integration into Zero. It's interesting because it's something that I think business owners will be even more excited about than accountants. For accountants, we're, we're kind of used to uh, uh, already working around these issues. But for a business owner signing up today... On zero, the ability to just pair it with a mobile card reader and then do recurring payments with invoices like and, and not have to do some other separate processing uh, method. I think that's going to make a big difference. And it's funny, like the,
0: uh, Tony, the, the, the new president for America came yeah. on the stage and, you know, he talked about the business owner not caring about the software and they don't ask any business owner who's starting a business. They
2: have, they, they, they don't care about the solution. They don't want, which, s- they don't care about the software, which I think is a good lesson for all the accountants in the room because, you know, a, a lot of the folks here, myself included, we, we, uh, we make the mistake of talking, I think too much about the software Yes. When we're talking to our clients, right? We get, we get really nerdy about it. We're like, oh, there's this great solution zero. I'm going to put you on it. And in these integrations, we're going to get gusto for payroll. We're going to do this with Bill. And you can see the eyes glaze over, right? The business owner is, we're looking at it from our perspective because we love connecting these apps. We have fun with it, but the business owner, they just want a solution. Exactly. They, and they just want you to take care of it. So I learned when I was in practice to, hmm. to gradually like not bring that out. Like if they want to know how I'm doing it, that's great, I'll educate them. But I, I look at it more from their perspective, right? Like, your bills are gonna get paid, your cash flow is gonna be monitored, payroll's gonna be taken care of. Then, after that, talk about how. How we do it? Totally. I mean,
0: I, business owners don't go into business wanting to be in accounting or into software. <laughs> they go into business selling donuts. Yeah. Like that's what they're in business for. And so I think, you know, this is why I think the game will be won with the pe- people who can take all those ecosystems and somebody comes up, bus- you meet a business owner, they're like, yeah, uh, you know, our website's on this yeah. and, you know, we're using this. And I'm like, oh yeah, we can integrate all that. It's all good, right? That's where the game will be won. You know, I look at a, a great company like Slack you know, I don't know if you use Slack, you know, I'm a big proponent. I love Slack. I mean, Slack is not crazy. Like it's a, it's like WhatsApp or BBM for, for business. We had IRC
2: 20 years ago, right? It's it's just chat. It's chat, but it's something that's different. What do you think is different about Slack that makes it amazing? What they've
0: done is they have integrated, they've made it so easy for third party developers to be on a, a Slack they've integrated things like I like I use Trello all the time so Trello's in there like uh you know Mailchimp like yep. all these different things are integrated within Slack so you don't have to leave the ecosystem they they've built it for it. Yep. and you know and I look at Shopify as a Canadian company in Ottawa um they've done the same thing they've done a great job at creating
2: apps and ecosystems so uh yeah this is this is I, I, well, they, you, you said this earlier. Uh, this, this is a theme here, is that the winners are the ones, are the apps, or you know, we could even probably uh, put accountants in this group too, the integrators. Yeah. Right? The more you connect with, the more valuable you are as a company, as an app. Probably as an individual, too. Exactly. No,
0: 100%. You know, when I talked about, and going back to this idea of a linear counted versus an exponential count, the things that I highlighted was number one, which was focusing on capabilities, like things like improvisation and imagination and creativity, all those things that build Mm -hmm. a culture of innovation Mm -hmm. are most important, as opposed to just jobs and skills. Because I think reskilling is great, but like you know, we can reskill anybody, but actually having those capabilities will be a, a competitive advantage. Number one is capabilities. Number two is actually automation. So looking at in your entire business to say, okay, how can we make this easier? How can we automate it? And by the way, there's technologies out there that can do that. And number three is ecosystems, which is very important. Uh, number four is really around experimentation. We've been so engineered to think about in efficiency, like how do we make things like better as opposed to thinking like, how do we like try something new and try something different? Um, and the last thing is really around learning, And that to me is, like the most difficult part for accountants because we've been ingrained in this idea of what accounting is and what should be yeah. and the debits and credits. And, um, when all these technologies and ecosystem comes to play, like your the tools that you had being an accountant and the things that you brought up with of being an accountant might actually disappear.
2: And so we have to almost like let go of it. I want to talk to you more about those last two points. Yeah. Um, so you said experimentation. Yeah and learning. Unlearning, yeah. Unlearning, unlearning. I love that. Let's talk about experimentation. So this was my, my frustration when I was at a, a large firm was there wasn't time for experimentation. Okay. Yeah. Because I had to be billable. I want to know what you think. You filled out a lot of timesheets, right? 100%. For 12 years at Deloitte. 100%. Right? Do you think that is a barrier to innovation in accounting firms? Oh my God. Well, don't get me started on billable hours. <laughs> like,
0: you know, there's such an archaic way of of managing your business like and this is why you know this is why the big firms and and medium sized firms I don't know who came up with this idea the game has changed yeah. now it's about providing value as opposed to like oh i spent like 8 hours on cash how do you experiment when your performance management is not linked to experimentation right it's not linked and when do I have time i'm working on this core stuff already yeah. it's very difficult i'm not saying it's easy to do but experimentation, the whole point of experimentation is that, you know, you take something very small, very small problem, very small sprint, uh, very small, um, a team and try to work on something that might might make you, the business better, might make your life a little bit easier. It's hard to do, you need to get leadership on side to say hey listen, we, we're gonna try some new things and by the way, we're not gonna be billable when we do that. I mean that takes a lot of balls to do and, yeah. to, and, and tell yeah. your leadership that we need to go off and do that. The, the, the other piece is around performance management. So you look at every single, every single firm, the, the, the metrics are designed to be around billable hours, and you know, maybe like engagement surveys or whatever, but it's not engineered for experimentation. So I think perf- your performance management should also incorporate experimentation, meaning how many shots are you taking? Like how many failures have you tried? And that is not engineered into performance management. So there are some pieces to make that experimentation happen, Uh, you know, leadership is one and being accepting that people are going to experiment and number two is that baking that into performance management which is really important. Um, You know, at, at Deloitte you know you know at every single firm you, you you work in different silos I was fortunate enough like i I'm from a small city and we were able to experiment and try new things because we got paid by clients and they, they, at the end of the day they just care they just want a solution they would just want value back and so we could take a little bit of our funding from our client and start innovating on uh, on their dime mm-hmm. with things that they may need like clients never know they and I talked about this at the beginning of the, of the conversation. Clients don't know what they need or want. They don't know how to innovate. They say, we want, we want X, but maybe they actually need like X and Y and Z. Right. And uh, I think accounting firms or, or consulting firms, they have a, such a, a, a great opportunity to innovate because they're already getting paid. And the client <laughs> doesn't give a shit. They don't care. Right. How, how how their value is going to get delivered? So I think even taking a small portion of your budget and saying how can we try a new way of doing this, making it faster, and what I've, I've noticed that every time we take this approach, we always become under budget. We always we always help open up their eyes about what possibilities could be because we took some risks. So it's hard. I'm not gonna I'm not sitting here saying it's easy, but the organizations
2: that value experimentation will be the ones that win. I'm sure uh, some of our listeners are in firms that they are trying to internally disrupt, right? Or, or they want to, they would love to see change happen, but, you know, they don't feel like they have the power to do so. Um, so what would you say to like a senior accountant or a manager, uh, you know, who doesn't, is not a partner, right? Can't make that change happen. How do you, how do you get that maybe older generation, uh, the, the generation of, of the partnership where people are really nostalgic? Right? Yeah. They're holding on to their tools. They don't want to let go of what yeah. works. Um, you know, what advice would you have for me to, to like start, to get them on board? Yeah.
0: Right. Well, first of all, if you're a senior account, you're listening to, to this in your cubicle or you're running on the treadmill or you're doing the dishes at home. Um, I would say tomorrow morning or this morning when you're listening to this, like walk into your office and try to get yourself fired. <laughs> like what basically means is try to take a risk that might change the trajectory of your organization or might change the trajectory of your career. Because this is what's really on the line, is, is your career. And what you'll find 99.999% of the time, you're not going to get fired. right? And you're actually going to take a risk that might change the, the, the traje- trajectory. So try to think about how to get fired. The, the second thing is, I, I think within, org- I talked a little bit about this idea of innovation cloud. And I think if you can show your leaders, not tell them something, not ask them to take an idea and do something mm-hmm. differently. Don't do that. Actually show them something. Yeah. Actually do something very small. Say, hey, by the way, we tried this. I, you know, I did this on the weekend or I did this on the weeknights. You know, you know, I, I did this with my own money. Listen, sometimes you got to put the yep. skin in the game. Mm-hmm. We tried something very small and it worked. And then you, now you're, now instead of like hypothesizing if an idea is going to work or not, now the leaders are like, oh my God, okay, there's, they can you see showed it. me yeah. something. You, sh- you I I'm now experiencing a change and now you're like, okay, let me try more stuff. Now you're building your brand equity around innovation and cloud. And then you can take more shots. That's what happened to me. You start off small, try little s- small experiments. And then, you know, then I'm known as, this is what happened to me. Like I was known as an innovation guy. I didn't turn myself as the innovation guy. I didn't. That's well, not like something that like happened. Uh, like somebody stamped it. I, it's because I took small experiments all the time, and I started to build my own innovation cloud. And you know, I think this is the way of doing it. Is is also it's a faster way of getting
2: your leaders to trust you. You got to take small shots. Mm-hmm. You do take risks with your own time if I, if I think back on it, like all the successful stuff that I've managed to accomplish, it's right. Doing it on the side. You Dude, gotta, you're
0: doing this podcast.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, nights and weekends, nights
0: and weekends, yeah for your own passion, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something different. You're doing something creative. You're bringing a community together. Like nobody asks you to do this. You don't have to do this, but it's, it's, it's inspiring. And and I think more people should take this route to say, well, like I'm an accountant, but I'm, I'm starting a podcast. I'm getting into the media
2: game. Like it's, it's, it's more people should do this. You said something about accounting, making accounting sexy or accounting being sexy. Yeah, Like that is not exactly those two words. (laughs) They don't go together very often. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, it makes sense because when you remove all the, all the things that, you know, we don't want to do as accountants, whether it's like copying, pasting between systems, whether it's data entry, whether it's like coming up with financial reports and a lot of the systems are doing that and there's a lot of people that can help us out with that. And so I think in the future, accounting is going to be a lot more about schmoozing your client, influencing, presenting, engaging, persuading your clients to take a particular action. So that means that we have to double down on being better storytellers. I believe that a base skill for accountants will be video. Hmm. A, A base skill for accountants, we'll be like presentation styles and, and, and motion graphics. What do, what
2: do you mean by video? Like, like being on video chat? Uh, like, or, or making videos? Making or? videos. Uh, making videos for
0: presentations. Mm-hmm. You know, videos, li- listen, I do a lot of video. I, pro- I post like video every week. Video
2: is the fastest ga- way to gain trust with clients. But, but a lot of accountants, you know, aren't comfortable necessarily with that. I mean, did we get into accounting to, uh, you know? I'm not saying you necessarily have to be on accounting. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, I, <laughs> Well, I'm not saying- well, I'm Let not me say- ask you this um, you know, we hear this a lot that we need to improve our presentation skills. We need to become better storytellers. What if I'm not a very good storyteller right now, but I know I need to do this. Like, how do I, how do I learn to do that? How do I get better at it? You know, that's a great question. Um, how did you get good at it? Because you're obviously
0: a great storyteller. Well, you know, I I think I appreciate that. Um, I'm just going to clip that out and just like put it, (laughs) put it somewhere. I think it's just about starting, with small projects again, like it comes back to this idea of like pairing something that you really love with the project that you have in mind. Like if you're like, you're really great at audio, like that is your jam. Like, you know, you, you, you can say that you're one of the best accounts in the world when it comes to this craft of using audio to tell stories. And it's like, what is your medium? Like, I don't care it's video. Uh, you know, I think video is important. And I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be on camera, but using video to um, influence, persuade clients to take a particular path with stats or facts or whatever. Maybe it's not video. Maybe it's not audio. Maybe it's writing. Maybe it's, you know, graphics. Maybe it's design. Whatever your skill set is in terms of displaying pieces, I think just connect that with your clients. And, and, and I think everybody has some sort of skill in storytelling. Not storytelling is not just speaking. It's not just video. It's not just, just find what you're good at and you're passionate about mm-hmm. and connect it. I'm really good at connecting different things together. I'm really good at, you know, speaking is definitely something I'm good at, but video is also something that I'm really good at. Not only from being on camera, but also creating graphics. If you watch my, my, my presentation, it's all motion graphics. It's all like very visual. Did you visual. create that yourself? So myself and my team. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is, so I try to use
2: my skills and these are the only skills that I have, <laughs> uh, and apply it to storytelling. How did, how did you uh, get into public speaking? Like how did, have you always been comfortable with it? Have you, cause you seem very comfortable on stage and as a CPA, that's a little bit unusual.
0: Yeah. So, so. you know, the, the, the magic is, is that, um, I was in, Management consulting for for a very very long time. So that's getting up in
2: front of like you're very always powerful yeah. Oh, yeah. important
0: people. And it's just like you're you, it just wraps right. Yeah. You're getting in front of executives, CEO, CEOs, leaders, like talking about things that you probably just like researched the night before. We used to play this <laughs> game called like PowerPoint karaoke, where um, you would. You would, and sometimes we do this in front of a client, where you don't know what the next slide is, but you're trying to explain to a client what's happening, right? What, what's coming up next? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're building your improvisational skills just by doing that. And I think it's a really great way of, like, you know, if it, just playing PowerPoint karaoke, trying to explain term. things and doing it in convincing and influence in and in a, in a in a powerful way. And I think it's just putting in the reps. You know, for me. Um, you know, I had the the reason why I got into public speaking is that a lot of people want to hear about the work that we were doing in innovation and digital transformation. So, you know, we get up and talk to clients and then, you know, then I'd get onto conferences and then I would then I would, you know, then I do keynotes and then, you know, it's just sort of the momentum has built and um so it sounds like the lesson is you really just got to get up there and do it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think uh, a lot of people say, "Well, how do I start? Where do I start?" You just Listen, I did a hundred talks for free before anybody paid me to speak, and uh, you just you just build up the reps yeah. and just get in front of anybody and speak. And I think that's a really important skill set. I think it's now when everybody's sort of on their phones, like being able to articulate yourself and storytelling is going to be such an important skill set, especially for counts. Sean, thanks so much for speaking with me today. And man, this was crazy! <laughs> what a, what an amazing podcast! <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, is an honor. I message you. This is how it happened. I saw you. This is Twitter. On- this is twitter, yeah, right, uh, we twitter. Yeah, yeah i saw you in the conference yeah. i recognize you from you know from the pod i said hey man just love your podcast love to catch up i didn't yeah. have no idea that i would be on the pod and then you know just through twitter and then we got to meet up you're doing so much for this community it means a lot and so i think the biggest favor that you could do is just like go rate and review and subscribe and um, yeah man that's it so Sean, if people want to connect with you online, find out what you're up to, where should they go? I think, you know, the best thing is probably LinkedIn. That's my platform. You can connect with me there, Sean Canungo. I'm a Sean can everywhere, Insta, Twitter, Facebook. I uh, have a, a public pro- profile on Facebook. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way. And um, yeah, shoot me a note. We can ch- chat about uh, innovation, disruption, technology, accounting. It's all good. Thanks so much for joining me and uh,
2: have a great flight home. Awesome. Thank you.
1: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Halon Tax. As a new business owner and first time tax filer, I needed a peace of mind knowing that my S Corp return was done correctly. I signed up for Halon Tax, connected to my QuickBooks online, filled out about four fields in a wizard, clarified two small items with the Halon Tax team. A few days later, I got a text telling me my return was finished. I launched Halon Tax and e signed my return. The whole end to end process was painless and, frankly, kind of amazing. Now, Halon Tax is working with bookkeepers and accountants like yourself to offer the same amazing experience to your small business clients. They're even offering a one-year free trial to all your clients. This even includes your own dedicated tax CPA. To learn more about this exciting offer from Halon Tax, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Halon Tax. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash H-A-L-O-N-T-A-X.